0: Thank <music>
1: Welcome back to the show, guys. As always, I am the hype man. As always, Michael Tarazas joined by me, as always, as Destin Adams, the know-it-all guy who loves to get into analytics. And here's the thing: we have the draft guru from the Stampede Blue, Zach Hicks. Introduce yourself to the
2: people, Zach. I don't know how to match that energy right there. I'll just, I'll just say, appreciate you guys having me back on Uh, I know it's been a couple times now and you know under uh your guys new podcast name and your new site which I'm very very excited for you guys and everything that's going on for y'all you guys have had a quite the off season uh to say (laughs) the least but uh yeah I'm really excited for you guys with this new site and new podcast um and, and I'm glad to be a guest on here
3: Hey, we got to actually feel the experience of being free agents. I don't, I, I don't know, man. Like some people don't get to go through that. Um, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, usually free agents sign with a team. We decided just to make our own team and like we just, we decided just to take a whole left turn and just yeah. do our own thing here. Um, but yeah, we're super excited to have you on Zach. Uh, first time ever um, for the powered by horses podcast brought to you guys by the blue stable. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out the website. Um, and yeah, we'll, will give it back to Michael, um, who claims to be the hype man. I just think he yells louder than everybody. I don't know if it has anything to do with energy. He just has this ability to get up to a higher octave than others. We got Zach
1: on. All right. We know he's smarter than all of us at the draft. We know that. We understand that. So we got to ask you, um, Zach, are you team trade back
2: or are you, are you wanting to stay at 21 uh, I think, you know, you can't just give that answer without seeing who's going to be there, uh, you know, come come the draft. But I'd say right now, kind of, you know, just if I had to pick one, I'd definitely be team trade back. I just think this draft for me is one of, like, the weakest first-round drafts I've seen in a long time. You know, I think there's there's a good bunch of guys who are going to go early in this class, and there's a lot of guys I'd take a shot on at round one. But it just doesn't seem like there's nearly as many like round one players this year, especially for me. I don't know if other people agree with that, but, you know, there's a lot more risk involved with this year's first round. And I really think that that Chris Ballard mantra of, you know, players ranked 20th through 40th are all in that same tier form. I think that definitely rings true this year. I think, you know, there's not that big of a difference from the 20th pick to the 40th pick. When it comes to this class, it's all pick your flavor. There's going to be risk involved with any of those guys uh, so I, I think, you know, the trade back is definitely the best option, whether that's the late first round, the early second round, even the mid second round to pick up even more capital.
3: I, I could see Chris Browler doing any of that. And, and honestly, I'd be a big fan of that kind of trade back. So Colts fans are going to hate it if they trade out of round one entirely. <laughs> I will love it. Um, I agree with Zach in this and we do not always agree on draft topics. I mean, we we've had conversations in the past of all of the wins Zach has over me in draft talk. Um, And this is going to be the year, this is going to be the year where I have some wins to, to, start stacking up against Zach, um, and put him in his place. Um, but we're going to get there. But, um, I agree that I think, I think this draft just doesn't have, especially in the late part of the first round, I just don't think you get value there. And without saying it, I mean, I think, I think that's where Chris Ballard puts his hat on. Um, he, he, that he just believes he's going to get value wherever he's picking. Um, I think that's what he has is the most important part of his draft strategy over drafting need or drafting, um, positional needs, et cetera. Um, I just think he really wants to get value at wherever he's picking, which is why I think we've seen him trade back so many times this year is a weird one because being at 21, you're going to fall out quite a bit if you um, leave round one entirely. But Honestly, I would not be opposed to if we traded to the end of round one to that 29 to 32 realm either. Um, I saw your article that you released today. You had us trading back to 31 with the chiefs. Um, you didn't take a tackle. I would have taken, um, but you did. Me trade <laughs> <laughs> hey, fair enough. He's honest. We like it. Um, so I, I'm just really interested to me. It all dictates what you, what you want to go. Cause if they want to draft a tackle first, I think you should completely trade out of the first round. I just don't, unless a guy like maybe Derisaw is there. Because other than those first three tackles, I just think there's so many guys you can get on day two. Um, I've been into a lot of arguments on Twitter this past week because I think you can honestly get a starter in round three or four in this class. Um, Obviously, you're you're risking it a little bit more when you go down that realm. Um, But if you're going to go edge, I don't really want to leave round one um, just because I think the few even that are i have day two grades on the the edge class as a whole i just think you're going to see a few reaches at the end of round one just because of the positional needs across the league
1: so when it comes to 21 i i mean i think everyone who who listens to the show know where i'm at i mean if derisaw's there take them if jc horn is there take them uh but if they're not then trade back Now, what Zach said, I mean, we don't know who's going to be there. Hell, we don't even know what the offer is going to be to trade back. Now, if someone from the second round is trading up, guys, let's understand they're trading up a big, they're trading up far. So we're going to have to receive some good compensation. And Zach, this might be the first time you're hearing this, but I am all for getting all the draft capital we can and then saving it for next year, getting 2022 draft capital. That way we can use it in trade up for Derek Stingley from LSU. That's what I want. Okay. Let's go and get that elite corner, the best corner in the draft next year. Uh, hopefully, unless someone decides to have a Joe Burrow type uh, one in a million type. See, Well, no, Zach Wilson. Really. I know Destin loves that, uh, loves that comment there, but I do think it, it does make sense to trade back because I don't think Hall or Horn will be there. So like Destin said, Is there a tackle you can get in the first round? I just want to go after those other premium positions, possibly uh, edge rusher, corner maybe. And, I mean, I I just saw your tweet, I think, about four hours ago talking about Ursay's comment about corner was taken out of context. It could mean just they're talking about uh, Yasin or Tell or or whatever the case may be. But I actually want to get your thoughts on an idea that I was discussing with the guys, and they just so rudely – bash me for it so if we were to trade back and jeremiah uh joke jok uh if he was there on the board would you take him because let me give my two cents i think you're getting a guy that's filling that's filling two voids at safety as a third safety and then linebacker depth you're adding a guy who's versatile strong now me personally i'm more of a zayvon collins guy but i think jok fits this scheme better because you're killing two birds with one stone and man i love me some linebackers they're so important and i just want this defense to be so great i'm tired of giving up leads i'm tired of starting out slow and having a rookie throw for
2: 300 yards in the first half so i want to hear your thoughts on this idea yeah i mean you know weirdly you probably won't get many supporters with this but i'm with you like Especially if it's a trade back, you know, like if they got back to 26, 27, I don't think he's going to be there. Uh, I don't even know if he'll be there at 21, honestly. Like even saying he'll be there at 21, I think might be a a stretch. Uh, But yeah, he's a top 10 player in this draft for me. Like I think he came in at number eight or number nine on my last big board. Uh, In my final one, he might be like one or two spots lower, but he's going to be in the top 10 or so for me. So I I think he's a great player. Uh, And and I think I like what you said there where – You know, if you're talking about like maybe a traditional linebacker, maybe even like a Zayvon Collins type, where even though he can rush off the edge, you're really kind of just getting an edge rusher projection, plus a guy who can play off ball. Uh, Even if you go with like Baron Browning or Jabril Cox, you're getting just a linebacker. But with Joke, you're getting a linebacker and a safety. And I think that's the biggest thing. For me, I grade him as a safety, uh, but I I obviously would play him a lot in the box as well. Uh, I think he would fit well in the Colts 2 high system at, at safety. I just love the way he plays. I think he's a great coverbacker. I think he hits hard. Uh, I think he can rush the passer if needed. Like, yeah, I mean, if if you're trading back and you're getting more capital, uh, and he's the best player available, yeah, I'd absolutely take uh, Joe at the late first round. I think uh, he's he's
3: a great fit for what the Colts want to do. Yes. Yeah, so, now I do feel the need to defend me and Rashad, who he's trying oh to talk poorly gosh. about. Here real we quick, go. Here we'll we do go. this really quick and we can move on. But the negative <laughs> the negative comments that Michael got about it was because. We, we, do, we also do not think he's going to be there when he wants to trade back for him yeah, because I don't think so. in my personal opinion, I think he is going to be either the first or second linebacker taken off the board. And another reason that comes into play is When you look at the safety class, I mean, there are some solid day two and day three talents, um, but there's not many guys that you're willing to take day one. I mean, I know that Michael is higher on Trayvon Merrick and some others are than I am. Um, He's my safety two, and I have a round two grade on him, but and I also don't have a first round grade on any safety. I like Richie Grant as safety one personally, um, and he doesn't even have a first round grade for me. So then you come into the fact that now you're getting to draft a guy in round one that is able to play safety in, in a pretty weak top end safety class Um, and and really the same thing can be said for the linebacking class um, that it's not really that top end talent Um, so then you you, I just can't imagine he's a guy that's going to be there trading back Um, also the biggest problem that we came into is Michael likes to hate on the smaller receivers in this class Um, he's come around (laughs) on Elijah Moore a bit Um, so I I at least appreciate (laughs) that he's come around on him because he's my guy Um, and the biggest thing that he's always said against the smaller receivers is why would the Colts take a smaller receiver because they don't have that need. And I agree on that. I agree wholeheartedly in that statement, but now it just comes into fact of if you're going to take a linebacker round one, I just don't think that's what Ballard does, especially because you can make the argument that there's not a position Ballard drafts better in later rounds than linebackers.
1: Now here's my here's my pushback on that though and this will be a quick little debate but here's my thing with defense i think we all know ballard prides himself more in defense than offense so i feel comfortable in that aspect but when you look at offense you can find fast guys in a lot of places that that that's the thing but when it comes to linebackers versatile playmaking linebackers that can force turnovers those are somewhat hard to find that are consistent. We've seen many times that guys can make plays in college, but that's the college level. When they get to the NFL, they're probably just assumed more than just of a backup role. But with Joke, that's not the case. He is rangy. He is fast. He can't play in coverage. He can even play in the nickel. That's what he can do. He was guarding Amari Rogers in the Clemson game. I mean, come on now. He was forcing fumbles, making tackles, stopping the run, playing the safety. And in my opinion... When it comes to defense, I feel like you load up more on defense than you do offense because defense, you just have to be prepared. And right now, sometimes, I mean, this is probably too early, but you got to start thinking about possible replacements because we all know you can't keep everybody. Guys are going to want to get paid. And who knows? Bobby O'Kariki might want a big payday. Ballard might not be able to give him one. So guess what? Jeremiah fits right into that mold or Kari Willis. Julian Blackman, I I guess you could say you just got to think about it a little bit more, but then again, we'll get into this in a little bit, but there's a guy that I love coming out of Cincinnati uh, to fill that safety position, but that's where we will get into. Coming into the next segment, you know, we're going to be looking into day three prospects, okay? I think we've spent a lot of time on Pay, Jalen Phillips, all these big names, but now we got to start looking into day three, round four, five, six, seven. We got to Start looking into these guys, man. So, Zach, I'm going to ask you, when we're looking at possible day three prospects at the safety position, and this will be the first of a few that we have, at the safety position, who do you think can really fit that mold that the Colts are looking for, that we know they're looking for from that third safety?
2: Yeah, well, the first guy I'm going to mention actually is a Cincinnati safety. I just don't know if it's the one that you're thinking. Come on. uh, Derek Forrest, Jr. Ah, man, get – Now, James Wiggins also would be a good fit, too. Yeah, uh, James Wiggins as well. Like he, He's obviously on my list as well. But I like Derek Forrest quite a bit. I think uh, he's been Solid. very, very underrated throughout this process. Uh, really rangy safety. Uh, didn't have the ball production that he had in 2019 this past year, uh, but still had a really strong year. Uh, some other guys I really like, guys that I've actually talked to. I've actually talked to Forrest as well, so – this is kind of all guys I've interviewed, but uh, Divine Diablo uh, Virginia Tech, uh, especially if you're looking for a guy who can play some linebacker and safety, uh, he, he'd be a really good fit. Uh, and the one that the Colts really like, and I don't even know if he's going to make it towards uh, – if he's even going to make it to day three. I know the Colts have a much higher grade than him than a day three grade, but Tyree Gillespie out of uh, Missouri, they really, really like his game. Uh, I've, I've been told multiple times they really like his game. Uh, and honestly, you know, if you watch him and just in flashes, he is the best safety in this class. It's, it's only in flashes. He's very inconsistent. Uh, he, he definitely needs a lot of work in the film room, uh, and, and key and figuring out his keys. But when he actually keys up on a play and he's able to use his range and his closing speed, uh, he, he's an outstanding safety. So I could definitely see why the Colts would be a big fan of him. Um, and I think he'd just be a great fit in this defense. So, you know, I I don't think he like, you know based off what we see from like big draft guys and and all that kind of stuff I think he'll be there day three but from what I've heard again the Colts like him higher than day three who knows if other teams do too so maybe he doesn't get there but uh yeah Derek Forrest, Divine Diablo, Ty- Tyree Gillespie uh, and also your boy James Wiggins I like all three I like all four of those guys for uh, that third safety
3: role. Hey Julian Blackman all over again. Yeah So hey, I was ready to talk about Forrest because I really didn't think um, he was gonna get talked about much I just think he's a guy that could fit the George Odom type role and maybe be even a better safety than Odom was Um, because I think Forrest is going to be able to play special teams pretty much right away. Um, I I also want to say that how happy are you that you can finally stop having to mention um, your boy, Jagobi Stevens in day three (laughs) talk because all these draft websites have finally updated his uh, overall number um, where it felt like on the, I feel like every year and you guys can correct me if you think this is wrong, but I think the, the, the these mock draft systems are really cool. They're awesome. Actually I'm yeah. um, being able to play around with them, but because of how their rankings have them set up and they, everyone does these seven round mocks and players are just constantly getting drafted later because of their ranking on the website. So PFF and the draft network, um, I think Jacoby Stevens was in the 200s for a long time. So every mock draft I was watching, he was going in, like, round six and seven. I refused to let myself yeah, pick he, him he there. He
2: was available in seven. Oh, yeah, I I, I, was, I refused. I was telling people he was uh, – he, he texted me about that because, you know, him and I actually have, have formed a pretty good friendship this offseason. Actually, it's been my favorite thing about this draft season. Uh, me and me and Jacoby are good friends. Uh, you know, I've done multiple, like, live things and, like, stuff with him. But, uh, yeah, he texted me about it, and he was like, why is everyone saying six and seven? for me it's like I'm gonna go way higher than that and I'm like yeah I think it's the mock draft simulators he's like yeah they're cool and all but they you know and I think I, I kind of get what you're saying just to get off track here from what we were talking about and I'll throw it back to you but I think the biggest thing that they really need to add to this is kind of like a they really need to get like scout input I think on like how the league views these guys like I think they go off of their own big board and their own rankings and stuff for them which is cool like Sure, if I want to pick off of Kyle Crabb's big board, cool. Like that's that's fine. I know Draft Network, even their like premium, you can make your own big board and then draft on your own big board. That's 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 really cool. Yeah. But I think they should have one that's like like league centered based off what scouts have been telling them or something because they're big enough sites where they have that input. Like Pro Football Focus definitely talks to people in the league. They they should be able to add that input.
3: I know I know FanSpeak does a little bit of that, but there again, there's this. I of think. I think it, the easiest thing they could do because I understand um, I, I do have a premium draft network thing. So I do use my own big board when going through those. Yeah. Um, but even that has some bias in it, obviously, because yeah. I, I have some players rated much higher than they're probably going to end up going. So then I, I'm seeing guys going like round two. Um, I remember when I first started Brady Christensen um, at one point went at pick 32 and I was just yeah. like sitting there cracking up. Cause I was like, cause I have him that I have him pretty high, but he just went in round one. Whoops. Um, I think the easiest way they could fix those is if um, back in the day when NFL.com was used to like do everything like fantasy and everything like that, you would be able to use fan consensus um, draft ranking like fantasy rankings um, to be able to change the board up a little bit from what you're always seeing. That could be a way they could fix it a little bit. Um, to where we're not seeing people's minds get clouded like that, where people were for months, people thought Jacoby Stevens was this day three talent. Um, obviously people have gotten away from it. Now his pro day came out. Everybody has fallen in love with him. Um, Zach was definitely first on that train. Um, he's wanted him to, <laughs> to Indy for a long time. And I feel like he's just given up hope on him coming to Indy now because of how, how high he's probably going to get drafted.
2: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of teams that are interested in him, you know, obviously I hope he ends up in Indy, but, you know, wherever he ends up, he's one of my favorite players in the league. Again, just just a great dude. Um, love talking to him. But anyway, just, you know, I know we're off topic here, Dustin. Who are your day three safeties that you like?
3: Yeah, I was like, like I said, you took Derek Forrest from me. And that's who I really wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, I think a guy that could that people could take flyers on in day three. Uh, I think his name's getting a little bit hotter right now on the draft side of things. Is Brady Breeze from Oregon? Um, yeah. I, I think he's a guy that a lot of people see as good value, um, on day three, I'm curious to see how high his stock is going to be able to get before, um, uh, how many days out are we from the draft now? Exactly seven. Seven. Um, yeah, a week A week out when we're recording this. Um, so I, I'm curious because um, I've heard at least one team say that they have a fourth round grade on Brady Breeze. That I, and I, I was shocked to hear that because um, I, I have him in the fifth round, fifth round to sixth round realm. Um, I'm curious to see where that ends up going. But that's a guy that I've heard is getting a lot of traction within the VEL teams right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've said it many times. James Wiggins is my guy, and I'm pretty sure he's higher. And that's interesting that you brought that up, Destin, when you talk about it, because even last year when you were doing when we, all of us were doing the the draft network mock drafts, like Neville Gallimore's going in the late first round, early second round, and then he lasts until mid-third round. Like that we do, was we, just...
3: When Zach Hicks is on the show, we do not need to talk about Neville Gallimore. We don't need to get into this again.
1: <laughs> okay, I wasn't part of that, but – yeah that 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 was just crazy uh but when it comes to safeties a guy that I'm interested in probably just because I'm in the state of Texas but Kaden Stearns a guy who's a thumper when it can when it comes to coverage it can be really inconsistent man it could just be really all over the place uh if you were just looking for a box guy to help out in the run I would love it but in that third safety, you got to be able to step in. If Blackman or Willis are off the field, you got to be able to do some of that stuff. And I just don't know where I'm at on him. I like thumpers for some reason, you know, when it comes to like middle of the field, you know, I'm going to cover these two. You ain't getting on me right now. Like I, I, I like those guys too, but Zach, what would your assessment be on guys like Caden Stearns and even like Richard LeConte, the third
2: is a guy that I like. You know, th- th- Thumper type is kind of a dying breed right now uh, in the NFL. And I think, uh, you know, Bernard Pollard was kind of the big reason why it died off. You know, the, the big hitter guy who doesn't really do much else, uh, but he's kind of an intimidator. You know, when Pollard started getting all those penalties and all the concussion uh, penalties started coming in, you know, to protect receivers and, and, you know, pass catchers, it kind of killed off that breed of safety. But there, there is still value in a safety who can you know make the receiver think out there you know because the last thing you want to do when you're on the football field is think you know we've all played football at some level Uh, the more thinking you do the more mistakes you're going to make and that's the biggest thing that that uh, an intimidator you know big hitting safety does is it makes you think out there but uh, I think you need to offer a little bit more like Hayden Stearns I think his athletic profile and some of the things he he did on film I do think that's an interesting player but for someone like uh, Richard LeCount or whatever out of Georgia uh his athletic profile is atrocious that I mean that was one of the worst testing days of uh I've seen in a while for his safety so that that makes it a little tougher for him uh, I still think he's a good player he had good film uh and I think NFL teams will still like him but I, how high with that test with that athletic profile I don't know but yeah I I just feel like you have to do a little bit more because you know Kari Willis is a bit of a thumper but we've seen him grow each year as a player and now he's at the point where he's a good coverage safety as well Uh, so I just think you need to one have the athletic profile to be more and also uh, show the ability to kind of you know grow as a coverage player or even play more in the box.
1: And remember guys, we're talking about day three prospects. They're going to have problems. Okay. This isn't round one or anything. So I want to keep everyone engaged in day three. So moving on to the next position, cornerback, which is a position I really want to hit on in this draft of uh, roads, carry one year deals. Tell you don't know where that's going. Yassin, you feel like this is like, he is on the hot seat right now. If a player could be on the hot seat, look, My guy, I've been pounding the desk for him. Like we said, some mock drafts have him like in the fifth, fourth round. I think he's higher, but Keith Taylor Jr. is a guy that I just, aggressiveness, speed. I mean, I can't remember which game it was, but he was on the opposite end of the field. The guy was running down the sideline and he literally just caught up to him so quick. He's great in zone. I think zone is his strength. That's one of the day three prospects in my estimation for me.
2: Yeah, Keith Taylor is an interesting one. Uh, You know, senior bowl guy obviously has the great height. Uh, He's a willing tackler, even though he's not a good one at all. He's a very willing tackler, uh, but he's a former receiver. So that's kind of to be expected. Uh, But yeah, again, when you're looking at Chris Ballard types, you know, every position, it it really narrows your focus and it helps you slim down lists when you kind of know Chris Ballard's mold of positions. And there's some that I feel more confident than others. Uh, I've been told though, that my corner one that I do, you know the the having a corner over like 511, six foot, uh, having them with the longer arms, the 32 like thir- late high 31 like 32 inch arms. Uh, that kind of stuff is the one I'm a little bit more accurate on than others in my build of Ballard stuff. Uh, and Keith Taylor, you know he actually has short arms for his size. I think it's like low 31 inch arms or like high 30 inch arms, which is really weird. Uh, but outside of that, I do think he fits a lot of what Chris Ballard likes. Uh, and I would really like him on day three. Two guys that I uh, personally become a big fan of with with studying these day three guys the last couple of weeks is uh, Jason Pinnock, Pinnock out of uh, out of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very raw player, very raw, but he has great ball skills. Uh, physical player when he has to be. Uh, I think he's like six one. Tested great at his pro day. He's someone who's really interesting. And then uh, Cam Bynum out of California. Complete opposite. Complete opposite Ooh. of Pinnock. Uh, He's a very, very developed, technically savvy corner. Uh, You know, his pro day just was an average athlete, which is kind of what you see on film. But for a scheme like the Colts, you know, their cover two scheme uh, where he wouldn't really have to carry receivers too much and he can really just show his technical prowess and his tackling ability, Uh, I, I really like him on day three. I think he can be a quality depth player in the NFL.
3: See, the issue with trying to name a day three corner for me is I feel like every time I've brought up a guy that I think is a day three talent and day three is where I think they're going to go. I've had a team or two tell me that they're going to go higher than that. It just seems that teams are everywhere on this corner class. Um, Like, especially after you get past the first four, um, which I think you can really put those guys in almost any order. Um, And after that, it just seems like so many people, um, like I know a lot of people think Sean Wade um, is a day three guy but everything i'm hearing about him like there there's there's teams that would be interested in round 3 um a guy that i like a lot is gary vincent junior um i know that michael um has had some positive things to say about him as well um but i just don't know about these corners man i just don't know which of them are going to make it to day 3 um i think it is a very close third um for the deepest position in this draft class um, i have tackle first um, then we have receivers and then i have the corners and i think the corners are closer to the receivers than people give it credit to personally um, and like there's just so many guys that just pop off on film that are getting day three grades that I just really think are going to end up going on day two somehow, some way. Um, the Oklahoma corners are really interesting to watch um, because I, I think you see flashes from both of them um, where you could see them going day two, but they're getting day three grades currently. Um, oh, so God, it's, no. So, it's, <laughs> Look, man, I'm a TCU fan. I watched Oklahoma enough. No, they're like seventh round. Anyone who listens to the show knows you need to take every Big Twelve comment Michael says with a grain of salt. <laughs> he has a little bit of he has a little bit of salt in the back of his throat every single time he talks about any Big Twelve team not named TCU. Hey man, I'm about to bring up a Big Twelve player. Okay, so watch it. But
1: no, I mean, like who? Trey Norwood or Trey? I mean, that's wait. Did I even say it? No, Trey Brown. Freaking up. Uh, oh, both Trey, of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I mean, bland to me. Bland. They get beat deep inside. They have no. Their hips aren't good. I don't. I don't like that. Even though I love to see Jalen Rager moss them last year, but uh, look, the Big Twelve corner that I'm looking at is Rodarius Williams, and I think what Zach was just talking about fit, fitting the mold, Rodarius Williams fits that mold. He has the size to go up and win a jump ball. Uh, The speed, I like the strength at the position. Another guy, Israel Mukawamu from South Carolina. These are the guys that, like what Zach just said, those molds are the guys that I'm paying attention to. Gary Vincent, I
3: don't know. Is he like more of a nickel and a safety type, Dustin? First of all, I thought you – I thought the last time we talked about Gary Vincent on the last episode, you were talking about how he was one of your guys. He was one of my guys, and I loved him, but I just –
1: I just kept hearing that like nickel is the more ideal role for him. I'm just like because he is a little bit smaller, but the speed Dang. and the willingness to tackle and great coverage. I'm just thinking like is he too small? But then again, you look at Kenny Moore and look at him; he's no bigger.
2: Uh, ah. Kenny's their extreme outlier. They said it multiple. Times. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> he, like,
3: and, and also his arm length is longer than crazy. Yes, yeah. yeah just watch just watch, than... just watch his one-handed interception last year. I mean, right, we, we saw oh. his full arm extension. Yes. yes. Yeah. So the thing about Gary Vincent, the, the thing about this class in general, it's such a bad slot corner class um that I feel like we're seeing a lot of guys get thrown into um they could play slot. Um like it's just like it feels like a lot of people are getting thrown into there. Um I do think that's probably where Gary Vincent's probably going to play at the next level. Um so I wouldn't say he's a day 3 fit for the Colts. Um I just think he's an interesting name to think of for a team that could grab a guy day 3, but he also could go higher because of how bad this day 3 class is. Uh, this I apologize, how bad this slot corner class is. All right, well, moving
1: on to the next position, we're looking at the edge position, guys, okay? We're thinking edge rushers, okay? So I I will start it off. A guy that I am, obviously, I think a fan favorite for everyone is Shaka Tony, so I, will, I won't go there, um, even though he does show some really good athleticism. But I'm going to go another guy. I am actually going to go Ellerson Smith from northern iowa the guy a little bit little bit trimmed as uh more than what you would want from a defensive lineman but is he gonna last to day three though i think he will i think fourth fourth round he
3: he's a hot name on the on the draft talks right now i mean obviously this time of year a lot of people um get some boosters but he is he is a pretty hot name for day two right now the, the biggest
2: thing to throw out about him, because I actually ha- I took him with, the, with a third-round pick my Colts model. Oh, okay. My, my predictive Colts yeah. model that I did. Um, he had the year off. After having 15 sacks his junior year, he didn't play this past season. And he I think he played at like 240 at Northern Iowa. Came into the Senior Bowl at 262 and beat the crap out of these for the best tackles in college football. And then went to his pro day at 252 and jumped, what, 41 inches on his vertical, had a, like, 128-inch broad, uh, which are both, like, 98th percentile for edge rushers. Uh, His three-cone, I think, was seven eleven, which is, like, 88th percentile for edge rushers. So, to me, I – you know, personally, I think I have him as a top 60 player in the draft. I'm really, really high on Ellerson Smith. Oh. Uh, So – Day three, if he's there day three, the Colts better trade up to the first pick of the fourth round. <laughs> but, but yeah, he might be. I mean, again, you never know with, with this stuff, uh, especially an F- FCS player who just didn't play this past year. But, yeah. personally, for me, if he's there on day three, again, I'm trading up to that first pick in the fourth round.
3: Um, I, I mean, I'll skip Zach real quick and let him go last okay. just in case. Um, I just don't want you to steal my guy just in case he is one of yours. Um, my favorite day three guy, I actually have – a little bit of a half grade where he could go late third just because of my thought process on the player. I love Chris Rumpf the second out of the um I, I do. Like he's been one of my guys this entire process. I like that he's able to play anywhere on the line, really. He he showed it at Duke. Um, and I think he's a guy that just doesn't take plays off. Um, I think that kind of mentality, that kind of play style, I think that usually works out for these day three guys when they had, they're already adding that chip on their shoulder and they're already these 110% work ethic guys. Um, hey, look I, at Robert Windsor. From last year. Yeah. That was oh. the main thing Chris Ballard talked about. I, uh, he, he sat on the practice squad for most of the year last year. I think he got called yeah. up like two games at the end of the year, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So Chris Rumpf, I, I just think, I think a lot of people are trying to say that he's going to have to move to the interior. I don't think that's the case personally. Um, I think he's going to be able to play edge at the next level. We'll see um, where it goes, but I honestly think he'll be able to play edge. I, I like his skill set. I like, I think 2019 was a little bit better to show his athleticism and his explosion. I don't think you got to see that as much this past year, but I, I'm a big Chris Rumpf guy. I can say it, I can say it all day. Yes. Yeah. For me to
2: throw out a couple guys here, just some athletic freaks who were also Senior Bowl guys, because uh, something that you know I've mentioned quite a bit, Chris Bowler has never ever drafted a defensive end that has not who wasn't at the Senior Bowl. He's only drafted Senior Bowl defensive ends uh, through his time with Kansas City and his time with with the Colts. It's only been Senior Bowl guys. Uh, so the two Senior Bowl guys who really pop who of uh, uh, day three guys are Janarius Robinson out of Florida State and William Bradley King out of Baylor. Uh, both tested like absolute freaks at their pro days. Uh, Robinson obviously definitely always looks like that on film, even though there's nothing else really there right now with him. Uh, He always has that freaky athleticism. And Bradley King, I think there's more pass rush there with him than there is with Robinson, even if he doesn't look as freaky on film. Uh, You know, I I think he was a transfer. I can't remember the other school he transferred from uh, before he went to Baylor, but uh, very productive player, and I think he, he's gonna be a good one. And then I'll throw out I'll throw out two more guys that I don't think anyone's talking about. One, this guy's gonna be an undrafted free agent, but he's interesting to me. Uh, because I think Nate Tice tweeted out the other day that when edge rushers hit a threshold of over 38 inch vertical jump and under seven one uh, three cone, they have a much higher percentage of hitting than than most. I think it's like like astronomically higher than than any other position when they hit those two metrics. Uh, this Guy who's definitely going to be undrafted again, uh, Romeo McKnight out of Charlotte. Uh, he was in Illinois State in, until 2019, transferred to Charlotte, uh, only played four four or five games this past year. Uh, but he had the 38-inch vertical, had a 706 three-cone. He definitely has some juice on film as well. Uh, so I, I definitely I, – I like him. He's definitely a project. He's not going to get drafted, but uh, he's interesting. And then one more to – just because – I remembered him when you said a Duke player, uh, the other Duke rusher, uh, Victor Dima Uh, I think he's a really interesting player. Uh, he's, he's a power guy. Uh, doesn't have that bend that everyone loves, but uh straight power. He kind of looks like Justin Houston on film. Like obviously again, not that type of athlete that Houston was, but, um, you know, he can bend a little bit for his size a uh, stronger guy can defend the run. Uh, I came away pretty impressed with his film compared to where I'm seeing him on most board, but, uh, I actually like the depth of this edge class. I don't like the the top of it, uh, you know, outside of Quiddy Pei and, and Jalen Phillips. I don't like much of, you know, the first round or even second round with this edge, gra- edge class. But once you get past that, uh, I think there's a lot of interesting guys and very athletic pass rushers in this class.
1: Do you think there's a Max Crosby type talent in the later rounds?
2: I mean, Max Crosby, I think, went in the third. So, like, Ellerson Smith, I think, would be an interesting – comparison to that um, but yeah I think there, there's there's going to be some guys who maybe not hit and be like 10 plus sack guys like Crosby was but can be reliable role players who can add some
3: juice off the edge as rotational guys I'm really interested to see because of like what you said with the day one talent not being there for edges um honestly I think the only four, I, the only four guys that I think have a chance of going in round one, realistically, um, one of them, Michael, will not agree with. I don't know if Zach will agree with, but um, Quiddi Pay, Jalen Phillips, um, Ojuari, is that how you pronounce his last name? Ajuwari,
2: I think. Ajuwari, yeah.
3: Hey, that was closer than I thought I would be. I'm not gonna lie, guys. <laughs> um, and then I keep hearing more and more that my guy Joe Tryon is getting a lot more draft buzz with within NFL teams. Um, that's and. Well, I feel like I, always gonna go first. I feel like always gonna go first. I mean, you, you that I, athleticism, man. I, I mean, like, he, that, that is true. I mean, he, he is a crazy athlete. He, I, I just I tried to go through as a with, with his game, I tried to go through and watch his tape and just count how many times I felt like he won a rep because of a pass rush move. And Oh, he's got nothing. Oh,
2: I'll, yeah.
3: I, I, I'll say I walked away with I think I counted three reps after watching about nine games um, like I think I watched I think I had three that I was like okay I think and I know for a fact at least one of them I don't even know if it was a pass rush move or if it was he it, it kind of because it looked like a spin but it was almost that when he like got pushed his his momentum just like took him around and it was like an, it was like an accidental spin, but I gave it to him. I gave him the benefit of the doubt and I counted it as a pass rush move, but like you, you just don't see it on tape. Now his athleticism is there. So maybe he goes around one, but the basis of what I was saying is I just think there's going to be a crazy run on edges in day two um, to the point. I'm really interested to see who makes it out of day two, because after that run, I'm just curious to see how many of these guys fall in day three because so many just got taken in day two. I'm just curious to see where all these guys go. That's where I think a guy like Chris Rumpf could go day three.
1: Here's a question that me and Destin have been having, and I, I want you, uh, Zach, to get in this as well. So there's been like a debate between three edge rushers that, that both of us really, really like. Uh, well, I mean, he, doesn't, he likes two of them, and he doesn't like one of them. But Joe Tryon versus Carlos Basham versus Joseph Asai. Okay, on Tryon, here's my thinking. Athleticism pops; the strength is there. I think he'll help out day one in the run game. But my thing with Tryon, playing in the Pac-12, I he, even this year he didn't get that chance to go up against a. Well, I mean he didn't play either. But I wanted to really see a matchup of Sewell and Tryon. That's what I wanted to see. But in the Pac-12, he didn't face a tackle that made him dig down deep as a football player or an edge rusher and truly try to win that battle. I I didn't see that. I've seen that from Carlos Basham. I've seen that from Joseph Asai, especially when he went up against Tevin Jenkins, who's a first rounder. I saw that from those guys, but from Tryon, if we took him, I'd be happy, but I would go in with questions about how many football moves does he have like Destin was saying with Owe. And I, I think I would be out on Owe because Golly, I mean, athleticism is a, is great, but you got to show something on film to warrant a first-rounder. But Tryon, I like him, but I just don't think the moves are there. And to his credit, he won the first time. He won them, but I want to see those moves as to where Osai and Basham, Basham's my guy. I want to take him overall. But the hand usage from Basham, the relentlessness, the strength in the run game, Osai, the athleticism, arm strength, arm length i mean you just see it where are you when it comes to these three
2: um prospects well you're not gonna like it i'm more destined on this one i I pry on higher than the other two by a lot uh osai my, my thing with osai you bring up the tevin jenkins matchup he got his ass kicked the entire game against tevin jenkins like he didn't do anything against tevin jenkins so you you say like the, the 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 dig deep or whatever well he didn't dig deep in that matchup he i mean he got dug into the ground that entire matchup hey man he, he won a couple reps man he well, won like two ronnie perkins looked better against uh tevin jenkins okay i'm look i'm all out on ronnie
1: perkins i don't get the hype over him i really well, don't.
2: ronnie perkins kicked tevin jenkins ass and that game.
1: <laughs> But like, I mean, what did he do against Florida? I mean, he didn't do nothing against
2: Florida, and um, I just didn't even have his weapons.
3: I'm just, I'm just kind of offended that you think Joe Tron doesn't have any pass rush moves.
2: Yeah, like Joe Tron kicks everyone like.
3: Yeah, the, I, I was like, gonna like, say. Dude, I, gotta, I
1: just yeah. said to his credit, he
3: won the yeah, first time. No, but He's I'm saying back. I understand. And you've talked about the lack of tackle talent that he's faced. I mean, that's not – he can't do anything about that. Um, yeah, but, you know that. But I understand that. I just don't understand because you just said similar to Away who I just don't think has any pass rush moves. I Don't think that's the case with Tryon. Um, I think Tryon showed that he has pass rush moves while standing and with his hand in the dirt. I, I, I think that's like he showed both sides of being a rusher that way. Um, yes. which I think NFL teams are going to like that they can play him the three four, the four three, um, or these NFL fans that think you have to weigh a certain amount to play defensive end nowadays, even though if you're a pass rusher, teams are going to make you a pass rusher. That's what they do nowadays. Um, but just don't, just don't um, come at Joe, Joe Tryon like that. Just don't do it, Michael. Dude,
1: look, Basham is my one A. Tryon is my one B, and then it's Osai. That that's how it is, man. I just love the freaking relentlessness that Basham shows, and
3: I think, I mean, what, I don't dislike, I don't dislike either of them. I just think Joe Tryon is above both of them by quite a bit.
1: Athleticism, like he's got Basham beat, obviously. Uh, strength, I think they're probably kind of equal, but. The hand usage for Basham, man, that that gets me. Uh hand usage hand usage is important as a defensive lineman, period. And Zach, you were gonna say something. Let's go ahead and get your thought in.
3: I, yeah, I don't like Basham. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was gonna say I, I have never said that I dislike him. I just don't think he's anywhere near try-on.
2: Um... I, I
3: have basham as a third rounder. I, I, I like him. I I I like that's him. good value.
2: The the thing with basham for me. Is off the edge. I don't think he won many reps clean. I, I like. I think he's at his best when he's at that three tech inside, uh, and and he's able to go against work against guards. But you know, I take that too. Yeah, like his, his base role is going to be as an edge rusher, and I just he just didn't like a, like. It's not even that he wasn't winning. It's just I didn't feel like he impacted the pocket enough as an edge rusher. Now, when he got kicked inside and you play some three tech, that's where I liked him a little bit more. So he's actually been a pretty tough evaluation for me right uh, because I do love it. his energy and hustle is some of the best in the class like just great yep. energy hustle a good athlete um, senior bowl again it, it was just better on the inside than it was on the outside so that's just kind of where I struggle with him where uh, you know guys who are kind of similar like him like a Peyton Turner or Joe Tryon I've seen those guys win on the edge and win inside when they have to go inside or with their hand in the dirt or standing up uh, so th- I just had those guys higher. but yeah Basham I like Basham. I love his energy. I, I wish I had him higher. But again, every time I watch this film, I just feel like there's not that much impact off the edge. Which, like the secondary helps him out and like helps him get there. Yeah, yeah. Again, he, he's a great effort player. And yes. I think he gets a lot of that production either by winning inside or with his effort on the outside. I mean, the big clip that's been going around is him chasing down Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and that whole play was Lawrence leaving the pocket and him running him down. That's all it was. It wasn't any you know, him winning clean by any means. Especially, enemy. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I like Carlos Basham. Uh, I, I have Osai higher than him. I have Tryon a low, uh, like a, a good bit higher than him. Uh, but, you know, any of those guys that the Colts took him on on day two, uh, I'd be pretty cool. Maybe not Osai just because it would just be three of the exact same player and Ture, Banigou, and Osai. They'd be, like, the exact same player there on the weak side spot. But uh, yeah. Tryon or Basham to play that strong side defensive end, I'd be a big fan of.
3: Hey, just keep hey. knocking names off the list until it just says – joe tryon and i'll be a happy guy i don't hey, care I'll, t-
1: I'll take him too i said I, i'll take him in with basham hey if he can be an upgrade of the same player as taekwon lewis that's still a win for me so uh you know getting forward here staying a little bit with edge but going back to the first round
3: going back to the first round and y- And and like he said, now we've reached our One Call Technology topic of the day. One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has over 100 years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications, from business phone system installation and services to managed telecom service providers, telecom carrier management, and high-speed internet. Head on over to One Call's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888-585-8850 and tell them the Powered by Horses guys sent you.
1: Okay, One Call Technology. I apologize. meant no disrespect. I love you. Stay blessed. Now, getting back into it. Uh, staying in the first round with us, there's a big topic. Obviously, the two biggest needs, left tackle or edge, all right? Where... Are we going, you know, we can talk about if Saul's there, but just for fun, let's say Saul's not there. Cause we all know that's where we're going. Saul's off
2: the board, left tackle or edge. Where are you going? Personally, for me, I go edge. Uh, I, again, we, we did mention that I, I only really see two guys as being first round edge rushers in this class. And that's Jalen Phillips, uh, even in with his medical history. So he might not even go in the first round, who knows? Uh, his medical history is awful. So uh that's even a tough pick at 21 for instance but uh pay if he's there which I, I feel like he might be there i'm not going to say for sure but i i think quitty pay might be there at 21 uh but yeah if it's quitty pay versus any tackle in this class outside of Sewell or or slater i i take quitty pay uh but the colts aren't going to take an edge in the first round uh i i I love it if they do and hopefully they surprise me but they're going to take tackle um but I, I would I would lean towards edge. I just feel like it's much more of an important position of need. Um, again, we saw with left tackle last year, they brought Jared Valdier off the street and they got good play out of him. They put Will Holden in there against uh, the, the, the Steelers. TJ had, Watt, yeah. Yeah, the Steelers who had the most sacks in football the last three years. Uh, and even though he was going against uh, Highsmith, not he wasn't going against Watt too much, but he was going against Highsmith. Uh, he, he played well for a half of football. And I don't know, I just feel like not that you have to high tackle, but you can take a little bit later with a rookie there and you, you don't have to have that high level play. Like you need off the edge of this year, because we saw last year uh, when the edge rush wasn't getting there, Buckner could push the pocket all he could, all he could in the middle, but the quarterbacks could just scramble out and they could still make something happen. Cause there was no edge rush whatsoever. So I just feel like they need to go edge early and they need to get a high impact guy. Yes. Uh, Pay is definitely my guy, but well, you know, we, we just mentioned a bunch of other guys that I'd be cool with taking, uh, even if that's not, you know, if they trade back and it's their first pick, you know, someone like uh, Joe Tryon, for instance, or, uh, you know, Peyton Turner, like all these type of guys. I, I just think they need to get an impact edge rusher.
3: Yeah, I'm in the same place. I mean, my, my thought process on it, um, because I'm still higher on taking a corner earlier than a lot of Colts Twitter is. Um, I I just think it's a bigger need than people actually think. Um, and, but if you told me going into pick 21, which I would still bet a good amount of my net worth that the Colts end up trading back from 21. I just, I just do not think they pick at 21. But uh, if you told me that whenever the Colts pick that, at least five tackles are off the board, which I think is realistic. It could possibly happen with how many teams need tackles. Um, You told me that the two edges are both off the board. You told me that the top four corners were off the board. Like I I would rather reach a little bit at the end of round one and take one of those few edges that even though we mentioned earlier, um, obviously um, you guys have heard enough from me to say that I'm big on Joe Tryon and I would be all for that because I just don't think, there's going to be many good value picks at late end of the first round. Um, Similar to what Zach said, I think I have more first round grades than Zach did. Um, I ended up with 20. Um, I think, I can't remember how, what number it was. We've talked about this before. If you count my
2: fringe first round guys, which I kind of do when I have these conversations because fringe first round guys are guys I would take in the first. Uh, I just put a fringe grade on them just because they might have off field or they might have uh, some, concerns in their game but count my fringe it's like 21
3: uh but true first round grade grades it's 11
2: right now yeah, 12. I, 12 12 is what it jumped up to
3: i think if i Damn. count it I think, if I, I think if I counted my late first, early second grades that I think I'm at 26. I have to go check my big board to be 100% sure. Um, but either way, if you're trading back into in round one, most most of the time you're not getting that value. Um, it's just not where, that, where picks are done there. So if I was going to reach on one of them, I'd rather reach on the edge because like we said earlier, I just think there's so many day one starters in this tackle class. Um, I think you can get a guy like Brady Christensen in round three, and I think he can start right away. I think putting him next to Quinn Nelson would optimize his play style I think I I just think he would be ridiculous in this system I would love it Um, the tackle that I'm highest on that I would love to get is Dylan Raddins I don't think he makes it to 54 um, personally and we'll see how the draft falls but if he was there at 54 I would run the pick in
1: yeah I think a lot of people are panicking and saying we need to go left tackle in round one but people need to realize they're day one starters in round three and four I mean, that's just how deep the tackle is. I mean, you go to Deontay Smith, who could be a little bit of a project, but my guy that's I'm really starting to like a lot is James Hudson. I mean, that guy, he, I think he fits in this scheme where the Colts are going to go down the field. They're going to run the ball. And I really like him in the fourth round if he slips to the fifth round. But obviously we all know if Derrissaw is there, you, I think you take him. I think he has all pro ability, but I, I'm with Zach. Uh, I think we all agree that edge rusher is the number two most important position in football. If you got a guy on one side that can score points, you better have another guy on the other side that can stop the other guy from scoring points and Quiddy pay, I think could possibly have the highest ceiling out of all these guys in the draft. Obviously with Phillip, there's going to be some concerns with the injury history and the forced retirement at UCLA, but with Quiddy, man, It's just freakish athleticism, strong arms, great extension as a defensive lineman as well. And I would, I just, man, I, I just want to get edge figured out. You know, I love my guy, Ben. I love Kamoko Toure, but yeah, it it could be a little
3: concerning if those are our starters day one. It could be a little concerning. Hey, don't, don't lie and say you love Kamoko Toure. It's okay. He's not listening. You don't, you don't have, you you don't have to act like you like him.
1: It's Okay. Dude. Okay, you just because I have a couple of uh what wh- questions about a player doesn't mean I hate him, Destin. You, you always want imply me, that.
3: If you want me to scroll through our group text and put you on blast.
1: First I off, 100%, not go to I
3: 100% know 100% no. That you have used the word "do not talk to me about any Kumoku Toure trash." You think you you have been open about not liking that man, um, which is fine. I think there's a good amount of Colts Twitter that is not the biggest fan of his. I just think a lot of last year had to do with his injury recovery. Um, ben Banigou, we'll see. Um, I mean, we saw Taquan Lewis have a nice rebound after yeah. basically having to redshirt a year because of not practicing well and all these other things that is similar to what Ben Banigou reports are coming out about. Um, But I just, I don't know. I mean, I wish we we weren't weren't having to have this conversation and we would have went active in the edge market and free agency. Um, But we are past that. We have already wiped away those tears. Um, Here's here's my thing.
1: I still go back to that uh, end of year press conference from Ballard. And it really sounded like he was content with Kamoko and Ben, saying we need Ben Benaglio to come on and Kamoko Toure. You know, aside from the dumbass penalty, he said, you know, just the injury just kind of held him back a little bit. So I sit there and honestly, I just really sit back and I say, I probably won't like it, but I will not be surprised if edge rusher is not addressed in the first four rounds. I, I won't be surprised because it just sounds like Ballard, and I think. Am I mistaken, or are we
3: going to hear from Ballard before the draft? Tomorrow, right? Tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? I believe he he's having his annual, like, week before the draft yeah. press conference tomorrow. All right. Well, tomorrow is going to tell us a lot, okay? We know Ballard.
1: He tells us basically what he's going to do, but we choose not to listen. Look for the breadcrumbs, uh, everybody. Look for yes, the breadcrumbs. Yes, the breadcrumbs. And I know I, I, Ben, him and I, we have an understanding. Uh big year. So pulling for him uh hope he can be the next robert mathis uh because he because i really hope that look chris ballard took him in the second round for a reason man don't raise your eyebrows at me he took him in the second round for the reason for a reason and that's the best drafting gm in the league
3: but I think, I think we all hope he can be the next robert mathis i, all, I don't I think so. there's a colts fan that'll say no I, I would rather him be worse than robert mathis I would rather Kamoko be worse than Ben, just just saying that. uh, (laughs)
1: Moving on to our last topic of the day, guys, so we can get uh, Zach out of here and, you know, enjoy his night. So the last position of of true need, I believe, is tight end. Now, we're not going to discuss, you know, what would we do in second round. We're just going to ask the question, where should the
2: Colts target tight end? Zach, you know, I, you know, it's not, it's obviously not going to be their first round pick because uh, outside of Kyle Pitts, there's not a first round tight end in this class. Hey, uh, there there rarely against. are first round tight ends. It's just, like, up. yeah. But, you know, after that, I think we could see in, in the second or third, because uh, we, we've seen the Colts brass, you know, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, uh, even Jim Irsay, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt, obviously. But, you know, they, they've mentioned quite a bit that they want to get another playmaker on this offense. And and we know, When they say stuff like that, it doesn't always just mean receiver. Uh, It could be a running back like last year, or it could be uh, a tight end. So, you know, tight end currently, they only have two guys on the roster who will will probably make the roster. You know, there's a couple other guys they signed to futures contracts, but two guys that will make the roster. So there is that third tight end opening, uh, and they're probably going to to go for more of like a move tight end, a guy who can catch some passes uh, and kind of add more of a vertical threat to their offense. And, you know, I think the guys who keep popping up to me, Uh, are kind of like round three uh, maybe day three type guys as well but round three you know you got Tommy Tremble you got Hunter Long uh, maybe Brevin Jordan what what's up are you saying Brevin Jordan or what
1: no no I'm just saying out of the words Kenny Yaboa.
3: oh and and yeah Kenny Yaboa makes sense too that's my favorite that's my favorite the vertical threat Michael, how about you stop leading our guest, okay? How about you let him <laughs> just say what he wants to say?
1: Hey, man, he's been schooling us in draft talk
3: this whole show on our show. Can I just say one thing, please? It'll be your turn. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that you mentioned Brevin Jordan at all. The thing about yes. him, I guess, that he tested much worse than he looks on film. Um, uh-huh. And I think that was surprising to anyone. I don't think anybody was expecting him to – test out and be this freak of an athlete but I think everyone was expecting him to be above average in a lot of these athletic realms um because on film I see a lot of Jonu Smith Um, I think we talked a little bit about Brevin Jordan the last time we, we talked with Zach Hicks um and I just really see a lot of his game in there but he did not test that well um he did not um now, has his, I don't know if his agent has had the time to put out any reasons um, why that was the case. He has a lingering ankle issue or all these other things that prospects like to use when they test poorly at pro days. The, the thing about Brevin Jordan, I just don't think the Colts are going to end up taking a tight end in, in round two where I think he ends up going. Um, I like the Tommy Trimble Um value if he ends up falling to the third um Kenny Abo. I think he's a day three kind of guy I think you could get value there um I want to hear Zach talk a little bit more about a guy who's listed at receiver um that could be moving th- that some teams view that could play tight end. just because I-, I thought that was a really interesting aspect
2: yeah so uh yeah the, the three guys that I see the Colts seeing and out the, the other the guy that you mentioned is my third guy but yeah Tommy Tremble and Hunter Long I think are the top two guys the Colts will look at Uh, But they're going to be like more round three guys. So obviously that's going to involve a trade back. Now, if we get to day three, uh, you know, the freakiest athlete, maybe in this entire class, uh, I think his RAS score was like 9.99 or something like that for a receiver uh, was Jacob Harris out of UCF. Uh, Tested as an absolute freak. I think he was 6'5", 220. I think he put up 30 reps on the bench, which is more than either of the two tackles that the Colts signed this off season. So that just tells you, you know, something about both, the, about all those guys. But uh, along with that, I think he ran like a 4-4-3 40-yard uh, dash, again, at six-five-two twenty. Uh The freakiest one was his three-cone, though. His three-cone was six-five-one. I mean, just put him an edge rusher with that three-cone maybe. <laughs> but six-five-one off the edge, or uh, on the three-cone, <laughs> again, off the edge maybe. But, uh, and I think his vertical jump was around like 38, 39. Might have been 40 actually as well. Uh, just a complete freak of an athlete, uh, you know, comparable to Darren Waller, which everyone wants the next Darren Waller because we we know how the NFL is—a copycat league. You always want the next of everything, uh, and I and I do have on good. You know a good source that's telling me that the Colts do like Jacob Harris quite a bit as as that kind of move tight end uh, and as a special team type player. So I could definitely see that being a guy that target like the fifth or sixth round. Uh, and, and you know, you guys might ask who's who, you know people listening to this like how could a guy with that athleticism slip to the fifth or sixth? Well, he's a 24 year old prospect uh, and and he is a definitely like a raw project but I think when you look at his athleticism and you look what he could be as a tight end and look that he'll only probably get you know 15 20 25 percent of the snaps on offense in his first year I think it makes a lot of sense for a team like the Colts so yeah Jacob Harris is a guy you know when we get to that day three range definitely keep an eye on the Colts and and potentially drafting him because they love him as, as a move tight end
3: I think day three is just a great time to take a flyer on these freak athlete possible tight ends. Anyway, like we're just seeing in history. I mean, I wouldn't say that more often than not the hit, obviously that would be completely false just because of how many day three picks get taken, but you're just seeing more and more of these athletic freak kind of tight end didn't have a lot of production in college, but fall late in the draft. And, their traits are able when the good coaching staff gets to be able to develop it a little bit they just work in the NFL Um, and like you said I think everyone should want a Darren Waller I think he is I I think he's up there in that top three realm of tight ends in the league I think a lot of people talk about Mm -hmm. Kittle a lot of people talk about Kelsey and I think people should talk about Waller as much Like Mm -hmm. I think he's that good I think he's just shown that even with, with a guy like Derek Carr that he can be elite
1: he's up there he's up there with those guys and before we get out of here man just a couple of more prospects. My two favorite guys that could possibly fit this scheme are Kenny Yabo and Trey McKitty uh, out of Florida State. And these guys, uh, the athleticism is solid. Obviously, Trimble, I feel like Trimble is probably my tight end one. I feel like it's just a back and forth between him and Jordan because of that just ruthless blocking that Tremble shows. I mean, the dude is just another athletic version of Quentin Nelson. That, In my opinion, <laughs> that's just what it is. And hell, I'll take that. But when we talked in Dustin, you said it, the guys that didn't show much production, but that could be, and I said it in the last one, but I'm not sure if Zach knows this guy. I want to give my guy some love from TCU, uh, not pro wells, but Artavius Lynn, former wide receiver at TCU. They did not use tight ends at all. They, they just don't use tight ends this year with a new quarterback. They used them a little bit. Artavius Lynn is a guy who will be seventh round undrafted. He won't get uh, drafted in my mind, but uh, the athleticism the catch radius I feel like he showed some good traits and it was a very small sample size man as an undrafted free agent I would be very intrigued but I really love Yaboa, man I love that guy and that's a little bit why I didn't know too much about Elijah Moore because I didn't care for him I just kept watching Kenny Yaboa. I kept watching him so much I didn't care who had the ball, even if the play didn't go to him. I just watched his blocking or his scheming, whatever the case may be. I didn't care about Elijah Moore until Destin said, oh, this guy, Elijah Moore. I'm like, oh, that's why I I didn't watch him, but... I mean, that's
3: – I'm just glad yeah. you're able to I'm, – I'm just glad you're willing to admit the reason that you were hating on is because you haven't watched it. You guys have heard it here first. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michael's admitting it. We like to hear it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think Kenny Yeboah is a guy you can take a flyer on day three. I, Whoever they decide to take on day three tight end-wise, if, if that's where it ends up happening, if they have those athletic traits, I mean, I'm all for the gamble there. Um, will it work always? I mean, no, we've seen it. I mean, we saw Eric Swoop um, come through Indianapolis. Swoops. and or swoops or something like that. I think it was Eric swoop. I think that's how you said his name. But um, the former yeah. basketball player who had those athletic traits didn't work out. Um, we have seen Moali Cox work out. I know Michael hates Moali Cox for whatever. He hasn't reason. worked
1: out. He's been here and there. Don't, don't, Zach. Don't. I see,
3: I, Zach, I see. Well, hype favorite. him up. Zach, I see your face. I mean, I know you're a big Moali Cox guy. Michael ha- Michael hates Moali Cox for whatever I reason. I
1: don't hate him, Destin. Oh, well, my. I, Michael,
3: Michael thinks Moali Cox shouldn't be a tight end three in the league. It's ridiculous. But.
1: Oh, my. Ooh, I'm gonna go, oh, I'm going to punch through this.
3: Yeah, because he's a tight end two. Yeah. <laughs> as
1: long as you don't name him a tight end one, you can continue to come on the show.
2: <laughs> I mean it's a passing game so yeah i could i could see that but he's a yeah, great yeah he's a great blocker and when he does get a chance to catch it i mean
1: hey i want to see more from molly Cox because carson Wentz loves himself some tight ends let's some just big tight ends yeah big, big tight ends, tight ends. so ah, hey moali cox i'm calling you out okay not not to a fight or anything because clearly i'd lose but to football all right so yeah i think that that'll do it for the show guys it's been fun there's been some laughs there's been some shockers i'm kind of Crying inside cause Zach just destroyed my Carlos bastion dream. So I will cry tonight I like tonight once I, I like him. I like once, him. Once, no,
2: you said you hate him. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I had to drop the bomb the way I did just
3: because how much you were loving on him. It just Right, it just right. Weird. I was up
2: here in
1: heaven <laughs> and then you just if you, got, to,
3: if you guys took anything away from this episode. It needs to be, one, make sure you're checking out the thebluestable.com. Check out our articles we're pumping out on, on both the draft side and just the Colts roster side. And secondly, maybe more importantly – Joe Tryon is better than Carlos Bash. I mean, that's all you really needed to leave this episode with. I can name that. I can put that in the title if you guys would like. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening guys. Make sure you guys are subscribing on our YouTube channel, anywhere where you guys listen to podcasts, you're listening to powered by horses. you you can find it there. If you're listening to no horsing around, you can also find it there. And yeah, thanks so much for listening guys. All right. Well, once again, Destin
1: just rolled it out. Zach, uh man it is always a blast to have you on and we definitely want to have you on after these draft selections are made because i want to see what you're angry at once carlos bastion becomes our number one edge rusher okay so guys check us out again on monday we will have jim aiello joining the show okay so a big another big time guest and guys we will see you monday